The Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Good morning and welcome to Spoken Word on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Ella Fanelska. My guest on today's program is the young, talented poet Robbie Coburn. Robbie grew up on his family's farm in semi-rural Woodstock, Victoria. Since his first professional publication at the age of 17, his work has appeared in many publications, including Overland, Cordite and Going Down Swinging. His first full-length collection of poems, Rain Season, was published by Picaro Press in 2013. His other publications include a number of chapbooks and pamphlets. He is currently the poetry editor of an online literary journal, Verity La, and lives in Melbourne. Welcome to the program, Robbie. Thanks, Ella. It's good to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you in the studios, finally. <laughs> Thank you. Um, today you're going to be sharing some work from a collection that you're currently working on yep. um, called uh, Paddock Scriptures. Can you tell us a little bit about this collection? Uh, Paddock Scriptures is uh, putting together the work that I've been writing sort of maybe over the last year. Uh, so uh, it's most of the poems concern uh, the farm that I grew up in, uh, in Woodstock, and basically the way that uh, living on on a farm can shape you as a person and the things that stay with you. So I got taken this uh, metaphor of a sort of the paddock scripture as sort of having a holy book or something that informs you as a person and informs the way that you think and process and and just basically the way you are as a human being. So that's that's basically the idea that I'm exploring and with that you I'm exploring sort of the more personal things as well. Mm, beautiful. Great summary. Um, let's hear f- straight up um, from this collection, um, Reading the Paddock Scriptures. Reading the Paddock Scripture. Leaves fracture like glass beneath your feet, the wind's pulse driving through the open paddock. Somewhere against the, air, the air's ceiling, you begin to draw a line to the entries of your life. An intercession thrown against the landscape in the hostile removal of the body. You live away now. You do not see the trees, nor the paddock's edge drawing nearer towards the depleting fields. And you know, even at such distance, the body will always be empty. You are waiting, as if the dirt could speak in reply. Mm. So you sort of did touch on that already about how the land, you know, really influences you. Yeah. Um, I think this is really demonstrated in this this poem straight up. But like, yeah, how does it really influence you and your writing? Uh, I think I've noticed it more because I've moved into Melbourne now. Um, I lived until I was uh, 21, I'm 21 now, but late last year I moved uh, into Brunswick, Victoria. And I sort of started to consider uh, the idea that you're ne- you never quite can get away from that, that aspect of who you are because you've, you've been informed by completely different things to people who have been uh, you know, raised and lived their whole lives in, in um, urban areas. Mm-hmm. And that poem basically reflects on the landscape as I would have written about it prior to moving, but from a different perspective. 
Robbie will now read The Uncertain Season. Wind breaks against the dam's edge, a shadow falling slowly over the property. Night persists into the landscape, the thick branches of gums obscuring the unveiling twilight. Smoke rises from a space in the grasses growing around the water, all distance sitting down inside the body. I am alone. The cold wind pierces the skin of my face, the language of the farmland driving the mind into a deeper silence, even when thinking of nothing at all. Thought alone can take you nowhere. I sit here every night after school, dreaming of what lies beyond these paddocks, tossing handfuls of dirt and rocks into the shallow dam as crickets hum in the reeds below the water. I look out into the dark for hours. Mm. There's certain lines in there, Robbie, um, that I just want to highlight. Um, night persists into the landscape. Uh, love that. Thank um, you. And the cold wind pierces the skin of my face. Yeah, it's really vivid. Thank you. And as well, um, thought alone can take you nowhere. So uh, basically I was just uh, thinking about when I used to walk the paddock sort of every night after school because I was you know, quite a, an unhappy teenager and I used to find quite a bit of solace in um, you know staying out, walking the paddocks and sitting by the dams um, you know, imagining that there was more to, to life than what I could see before me. Mm. And do you think that this idea about, you know, thought alone um, can take you nowhere, it's like that idea of, like, ruminating but not taking action? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you... I mean, you get to a point where you realise that there's no... Without action, there's nothing. And at that point, that's that's all there was for me, really. I was just... I was just imagining, and I think that's why poetry appealed to me so much. Mm. Oh, perfect. Well, this leads into my next question. Um, how did you get into writing? I believe the first time that I was ever... I, was, I always liked uh, books and, and reading, uh, but it was always fiction that I was interested in when I, was, when I was younger, sort of say, in primary school. And when I was 14, uh, my mother, who's a teacher, uh, she brought home a collection of Edgar Allan Poe's poetry, which had been sort of uh, barred from her school library for being too depressing and dark. Okay. And I read it and it just something completely shot through me that I can't I can't even describe it really. It was just a it was a, an amazing experience and I've I just became infatuated with Edgar Allan Poe and his work and uh, from there I sort of started to I decided that I wanted to write poetry and at first they were probably just awful romantic poems in the style of Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. Uh, but from there I decided to read as much poetry as I could. And one of the first people that I really fell in love with was uh, Allen Ginsberg. Oh, yes. Um, uh-huh. And the Beats? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Bob Dylan, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but when I read Ginsberg, I realised that there were so many more possibilities because the poetry that was written, um, you know, centuries earlier was very constricted as far as what you could do and what you couldn't do because form was... Um, it was dictated by what everyone else was doing and then the beats came along and they were challenging mm. all of that. Mm-hmm. And I read sort of, uh, you know, Ginsberg's highly sexualised poems and the poems about drugs and I uh, I realised that you could do so much more, you could express so much more, no matter how, how awful it might seem when you describe, you know, when you decide that it's a topic for a poem. And from there I just started to buy as much poetry as I could. I Back when there was Borders, 
Oh, if yeah, I do. If you remember yeah, Borders. Yeah, yeah. I used to take the train to the city and I'd go to Borders and I'd just go to the poetry section. and was They never... had a great poetry it section, didn't bad. they? Yeah. And I remember I got a book by uh, Robert Adamson. I got, uh, it was a golden bird, which is um, one of Black Ink books. It's a new and selected poems. And that really, that was when things really changed as far as my appreciation and desire to write poetry. Mm. And I realised that there were poets who were alive and that there were contemporary poets publishing work and I decided that some way or other I wanted to be one of them. Fantastic. And going back to this um, period with Poe, what what age was that, Robbie? Uh, 14, I believe. Yeah, wow, cool. Yeah, look, I think that that is often that that age of just the beginning of puberty and adolescence where it does really grab you by the throat, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, cool. Robbie will now share his poem, Lines to Myself. I wish you could see the rain for what it is. Not as a tense progression in mood or a reason to feel something. The ache pressing against your temples has no connection to this atmosphere. The cold wires striking the roof of the car above your head muffle the sound of traffic progressing down the roads in the distance. And you are sitting here alone again, imagining how long the hours will take to slip past you until you can drive home and wait for tomorrow. You must understand your mind is not your own. The emergence of fear settling into your breath is not a fault of character, not weakness. And this imbalance is beyond your control. It can't always be this way, packing your books and driving north, avoiding the ones who love you, seeking distance from your thoughts inside this dark shell. I can promise you something. One day, as if the instant between catastrophe and rebirth could vanish, you will recognise something new about the image distorting in the wet glass. I tell you now, you won't always be so unwell. Thanks for sharing that, Robbie. Um, This was one that did indeed grab me by the throat. Um, Is there anything that you would like to share about this poem in particular? Uh, I think, uh, like a lot of my work, it's drawn from obviously a very dark place. and this one is more obviously so because it's obviously I'm writing it to myself rather than writing about myself. And it's it's probably one of my most literal poems as far as uh, these things go. It, it literally reflects on, uh, you know, uh, the, the place that I was in at the time when I was writing it. And it's ironic that it's got quite an optimistic uh, conclusion considering when I was writing it, I wasn't feeling like that at all so I think it was uh, an attempt to convince myself that this wasn't the reality that was going to going to be consistent but I mean, who knows Do you think that for you poetry has that power to console you and do you consult it in that way? Absolutely I, I 100% believe that I'd be dead without poetry. Wow really? Absolutely. Wow uh, in what way? Because, um, like, what does writing sort of do for you on that level? Uh, I mean, I'm I sort of most of the time I feel fairly consumed by this sense of hopelessness and pointlessness. That and poetry is one of the only things that's ever felt like it mattered. Something that really gave purpose and gave. Uh, I suppose it gave the things that were happening, the the negative things that made them seem to have a bit of purpose, if for nothing else, um, 
writing writing poetry, reading poetry, um, that that immersion in poetry is something that I feel is is definitely worth living for. Mm. And do you think this is through writing it or through reading it or the combination? I think it's definitely the combination, but I think reading poetry is far more important than writing it. Mm. Okay. I I wouldn't consider myself to be uh, a poet as much as I consider myself to be a lover of poetry, and I'd you know I'd write, much rather spend a night with a book than trying to dissect the thoughts in my mind to write poetry, but it's a compulsion that I can't really ignore. Yeah, okay. And when you do immerse yourself in the writing process, uh, what does it do for you? I find it uh, cathartic. Um, it seems, it's something that it matters to me a great deal, obviously, and I, I work really hard at, at my poetry, and um, a lot of them are very raw, and they come from very raw topics, and some of the time, sometimes I'll write lines that... Uh, they are, they're quite confronting and the topics are quite confronting at times, but I respect poetry incredibly as a form and as an art form that I, I feel that no matter what I'm writing about, I want the poem to be a good poem technically as well as for what the topic is. I don't feel like, I feel like you've got to have a tremendous respect for poetry and I find that immersing myself in that is very important for me and it's, I find it cathartic as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the power of poetry. It's really, um, for you, I loved that when you said that it's life-saving. It saved your life. I mean, it sounds, uh, I don't know if it's cliche or, and obviously there's a lot of other factors. I mean, we all, we all have families and friends who care mm. about us a lot and, and you, can't, you can't dismiss that and just say that, you know, I've got a book of poems so I'm, I'm not going to kill myself. It's not like that. It's mm. just that uh, poetry is one of the only things that really has ever made me have any kind of sense of happiness when nothing else really seems important in comparison. Holly came from Miami, FLA Hitchhiked away across USA Plucked her eyebrows on the way Shaved her legs and then he was a she She says, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side Said, hey honey, take a walk on the wild side Candy came from out on the island In the back room she was everybody's darling But she never lost her head Even when she was given head She says, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side Said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side And the colored girls go do 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 That was, of course, our beloved Lou Reed with a little bit of an excerpt from Walk on the Wild Side.
You're listening to 3CR's Spoken Word. I'm Ella Fenelska, and my guest in the studio today is Robbie Coburn. Robbie is sharing some pieces with us from a collection he's currently working on called Paddock Scriptures. Uh, Robbie is now going to share Nightwalk. I am not thinking or walking for any reason, though I calculate these steps. The madness in me is breathing. In the silent hours, I see the air does not belong to anyone. Lost against the freezing skin, I am still not tired enough to sleep. And if my blood runs, it is not accidental. From where I am standing, the damage is immeasurable. No one on the road at 4am, listening to the cars approaching. Robbie, in your writing, who or what influences you the most? I get uh, become influenced mainly by uh, the work of other writers as far as uh, the possibilities of what I can do with my own work um, and um, particular influences uh, sort of Sylvia Plath, Ginsberg, uh, Rambo and then sort of, of Australian poets. I love uh, Robert Adamson, Anthony Lawrence um, and a lot of really obscure poets that um, from all over the place uh, that no one's probably ever heard of. There's this uh, poet that I'm, I'm obsessed with called Harry Fainlight, who was from, he was kind of, he was associated with the Beats. Uh, Alan Ginsberg loved him. Ted Hughes loved him too, actually, because he was English. Mm-hmm. He was Ruth Fainlight's younger brother. Um, and he read at the, the famous Albert Hall reading with Ginsberg where he got interrupted, and there's great footage of it in the Holy Communion. But um, as well as poetry, I... I'm influenced a lot by music and the work of songwriters and lyricists, particularly Bob Dylan, um, you know, Nick Cave, Lou Reed, Patti Smith, um, lots, lots, <laughs> lots and lots of different people. Um, Robbie, could you now share with us your poem, Passover? Any pasture welcomes decay, skin worn in exposure, The horizon goes unseen at the crimson dawn. Body unrecognisable in the cold air. Feeling of crossing the morning too quickly and returning to the house. You are not a part of this place. I wanted to ask you about page and stage. Uh, Do you like see a distinction between, you know, the page and the stage? And um, like if if you do, which one are you more pulled towards? I certainly would say I'm a page poet. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm not a performer by any means. I I, I like, enjoy reading uh, poems. And I enjoy listening to other people read poems, but I'm definitely not a performer. Um, the, they're written for the page. I'm a bit of a traditionalist as far as um, my influences and the poetry that I try to write. So. Yeah, do you feel like... What's the experience for you when you do read at a reading? So, like you're saying, you know, rather than, like, perform... How do you feel about that? Is it a, is it an affirming experience? I think it is. I find it, uh, you know, at, at risk of sounding pretentious, I find it. It's almost, it's almost spiritual. It's almost like an out of body thing. I get kind of uh, immersed in it when I'm up there reading. Um, and most of the time, uh, you know, given the situation, a lot of them are at pubs and and whatnot. You, you read these poems. You have this experience, and you talk about whatever you talk about in your poetry, and then you have to go back to the bar with everyone else, and it's. It's a bit strange. Uh, do you aspire to be more of a stage poet or like a spoken word um, 
sort of poet? I I think I'd like to, I'd like to read as well as I can, but I I don't think it's a matter of whether I'd like to or not. I don't think I have what it takes or the confidence to get up there and and perform. Um, so I'd, I'd probably say no. But, okay. But I, I I like I love to watch performance poetry and I really respect it as a, as a form. But it's very different to what I feel I would like to do and what I'm capable of doing. So for you, like when you're at a reading, it's really about you trying to present your work as authentically and confidently as you can as a page poet. Yeah, absolutely. It's basically you can't convey anything more uh, than what's on the page when it's just, you know, reading a written poem. Um, But I suppose trying to make it uh, not lose the effect that it would have if it was being read. But obviously sometimes there's only so much you can do with that because you're quite restricted. Mm. Do you, you really think, though, about your pacing and your rhythm and your course, poem and things yeah. like that? Yeah. Of course. But I, I, re, I write poems. Uh, I try to structure them um, so that they'll be read that way in someone's head. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. even when, you, when you're a page poet, it's never just silent mute on the page. That's yeah. an aspect of it. And when you want to have it structurally beautifully on, on the page, but then you're hearing it in your own head and imagining what your readers are going to have in their head. Of course, yeah. I think at times definitely you, uh, you probably time it differently depending on the way that it, that it sounds read aloud as well. But usually it's, it's quite similar. At least it's intended to be. Yeah. Robbie will now read his poem, Missing. Dawn comes, not unlike the sleeplessness preceding it, unalterable and dragging through your breath. Then there's the acute aloneness you have felt ingraining anyway. You walk on and pass through an inexplicable view you search for and watch fade perfectly from the periphery. Your tongue fallen into deeper silence with each considered motion. Thought itself is inconceivable, but you know at some point the grasses reach an end and the pale tree faces turn away. The wind will start to dissolve skin. Look, you are invisible as air. I wanted to pull two lines out of that. Um, Thought itself is inconceivable. Uh, Basically, I suppose it's the urgency of of the mind that you uh, you can't you can't ignore basically, but this the, this particular poem is discussing a topic which is quite unfathomable for most people. So it's uh, you know even trying to interpret your own mind is virtually impossible. That's basically what I'm trying to say. And you are invisible as air. That's such a vivid, powerful line for me too. Thank you. Uh, Because the poem, uh, I don't know if it's obvious or not, the title, but it's it's just about intentional disappearance and, uh, you know, the idea that a person can can exist beside you and then it's like looking into the sky. It's, It's quite a strange thought to process. So, Robbie, now we're going to get to the technical side of things and I'd like to ask you about your writing process and that you can share that with our listeners. Is it something that you kind of, you know, wait for inspiration, write spasmodically, or do you really discipline yourself to sit down on a daily um, basis, share with us? Uh, I'm, I'm very spontaneous as far as um, in the initial stages of writing anything. Um, I'll write sort of 
quickly I'll write something like I'll, I'll write sort of a fully formed draft of a poem really really quickly so it might be 10 minutes and then but then I'll work on it for for hours and hours basically but I think that reading is more as I said earlier I think reading is more important than anything I think if you want to write poetry or any do any kind of writing you have to read it you have to read as much of you can as you can and I think that that's more important than to the, the practice of writing than anything but I I try to write at least for you know a couple of hours maybe three hours a night um, if I can. That's really intense. And but that it, is it's, it's mainly discipline. mainly editing though, and I write I write fiction as well, and I write write you know criticism, and, um, and I've just written a play. So I, I'm doing lots of other things. It's not just sitting down and writing poetry, but I I do try to write because I'm a really bad insomniac. I don't really sleep, um, so I just sort of sit up all night. So it might be even more than that. It might be more hours than that. Um, but I just I spend most of my time um, either immersed in in reading books or or editing writing or working on things and do you do this even if you don't feel like it do you push yourself so it but it's a, a discipline or do you just feel quite compelled to do that uh i i suppose i, I fluctuate i have times when i can't sometimes I, I get um to a point mentally where i can't really write at all but even then i'll try and read and i'll try and dedicate that time to reading um but uh i i i definitely prefer to do it when i feel compelled but when i've got something ongoing then I definitely feel compelled to do it. I don't like to leave things unfinished. I like to sort of get things... Um, I just like to work things until they're ready because I, f- I feel like the inspiration side of things um, with drafting poems, um, once that's gone, it's just sort of a matter of just working through the process of finishing it. Robbie Coburn is my guest in the studios today and I've asked him to select uh, a final poem from the upcoming collection, Paddock Scriptures. So over to you, Robbie. Uh, this poem's a, a really new one. It's one that I've, I've been trying to write it for quite a while, but I've only just really managed to. It's called Hospital. Flesh rests inside the walls, slipping back into infantile days, The sleeping faces are condensed. A doctor walks the corridors endlessly. An invasive pulse vibrates along the wrist. Before me, I watch the chests rise and fall, lines of suffering bodies positioned within an inconceivable fear of needles pressed into the skin, as starving figures are forced back into being. My hands grasp at this vision, the placement of tremors against the edge of illness. Directionless meaning, sheets clean of voices, there is nothing real here but the image of drowning. Robbie, I'd just like to sincerely thank you for coming into the studios today and being a guest on Spoken Word. Thanks for having me. It's been an honour having you here. Um, could you tell us about how, like, any additional or forthcoming um, things that we should know about and if people have enjoyed hearing about you and your work today, how they can find out more? Uh, currently, I've uh, just finished a play, um, which, which I've been working on for quite a while, and I'm working on a novel at the moment. Because um, I write, I write quite a lot of fiction, uh, so I've written quite a lot of short fiction, which I'm, I'm going to have some things published uh, in the next little while. But uh, the novel, I suppose, uh, the only way that I could really describe it in a summary is uh, a dystopic science fiction novel that's erotically charged. So it's. It's going to be very interesting, but I'm, I'm really enjoying working on that at the moment. 
So to find out more about Robbie, go to www.robbiecoburn.com.au. You've been listening to Spoken Word on 3CR. My name is Ella Fanelska and I look forward to your company next month. Come gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are a-changing Some writers and critics who prophesize with your pen And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon, for the wheel's still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming Was the loser now will be later to win For the times they are a-changing Senators, congressmen, please heed the call Don't stand in the doorway, don't lock up the hall For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled The battle outside region Will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls For the times they are a-changing